Holy Week and Easter take on a new meaning in 2020. What are some things we've learned about ourselves and our church during these events? These topics and more are coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. It's good to see you again, Bishop. John, it's great to be with you today. We always start our program with some good news, and I'm going to leave you with a softball here. I went to Hillsboro Hope, and that's some good news there. Boy, it sure is. Not sure if our listeners have heard, but the Diocese of St. Petersburg through Catholic Charities has established Hillsboro Hope, which is a basically a, a tent city or a tent village uh, over in Hillsborough County in which we can house up to 100 of the homeless there, be able to give them some shelter and tents and provide them with three meals a day. We do have some shower facilities there and, of course, just provide other support services to them. Yeah, well, I was there earlier. They happened to have the medical mission bus. Sister Sarah Proctor was there doing um, physicals and that kind of thing. There's a lot of people. It's full, and there's a great need there. And this hopefully will open the door to some bigger things in Hillsborough County. Yeah, it sure did. In fact, uh, it filled up in two days. <laughs> so we were able to to, to welcome 100 residents there in, in just the first two days that we were open because there is such a need in our community, you know, to reach out to the homeless and you know, John, this is an important ministry for us, and it's not just providing immediate things to them, but what we're trying to do is to get them out of that cycle of homelessness. But to do that, you have to provide some stability in their life, and you have to provide the basic needs of life, you know, uh, again, shelter and, and food and clothing, some medical care, some spiritual support uh, if needed. Uh, but the idea is that we can uh, somehow assist individuals to to get back to society and, and not to be have to be so dependent on others or to, to living on the streets. A lot of people come together when there's calamities, natural disasters, and so forth. Uh, this is a little bit different, but Catholic Charities certainly could use your help, donations to help with, with clean sheets, with clothing, with food supplies, and so forth. You can make your donations at the Catholic Charities office on Bush Boulevard in Tampa, or you can visit their website. That's the easiest place to find out all the information at ccdosp.org. Another big event for you and I, two big things out of the Bucks camp. Tom Brady and new uniforms. <laughs> well, that's great, John. No, I, two, two very exciting things uh, for those of us who are football fans and particularly Buck fans. You know, we've been hearing rumors for, for months that Tom Brady might, might come to Tampa Bay. And just several weeks ago, that became a reality. So it's great to have him with us. I, I can't say I've always been a, a big Tom Brady fan. Yeah, but now, played different colors. But, so now, but now that he's my quarterback, you know, <laughs> I'm all behind him. And uh, regarding the uniform, Forms, I, I like what I see. So um, I think it's a, it's kind of a new beginning, a fresh start for the Bucks with uh, with good days ahead. That's right. Well, you know, I'm going to run a little analogy by here. I've heard some people say, I'm not going to believe that Tom Brady is our quarterback until he comes running out of that tunnel opening day. And yet here it is, Easter, and we have the belief in the risen Lord that people didn't believe until they saw the empty tomb. Uh, they didn't believe until they put the hands in the marks. Now it's here, and it's, a, it's an opportunity to, as, as the show airs, we're going through Good Friday, 
Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday. And um, we might have the greatest quarterback of all time, but we certainly have the greatest in Jesus Christ. Wow, John, I couldn't say that any better myself. That sounds like a good Easter Sunday homily to me. <laughs> so, well, we still have some time to fill, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but it is. It's uh, these uh, days that we're celebrating right now. As Catholics, as Christians, these are our high holy days and uh, the most important days for us because what we celebrate is is the foundation of our faith, which is that Jesus Christ is our, our Lord and our Savior, and that because of God's love for us, that he gave his Son to be our Savior. Of course, that was accomplished through great suffering and through death, but on Easter Sunday, we see the empty tomb. And as Peter and the others maybe were a little confused at the time, but ultimately the Lord appeared to them, and they knew that he had risen just as he had promised he would. That's the good news of our faith. Uh, it was good news for them, and it certainly is good news for us today. It's been a struggle for a lot of people over the last couple of weeks in big ways and, and little little ways that maybe we often took for granted. Everything from grocery shopping to our children's education to big things like job loss or pay cuts. And I think a lot of people took for granted going to church, and that was taken away from them. And I've heard many comments from people saying how much that affected them. Yeah. You know, I'll just share with you, um, as you said, it's very unusual times, and uh, you wonder how what the long-term effects are going to be for us in our lives and the way we live our day-to-day lives. But we keep hearing um, people will say, well, I, I can't wait to get back to normal. You know, the other day I read something. Uh, it was kind of a commentary by someone, and they said, you know, we can't wait to get back to normal. And they said, I'm not sure I want to do that because um, I have a greater appreciation for things now than I didn't have before. Namely, maybe a greater appreciation and love for my family, for my health, for my faith, and for the ability to go to church and as Catholics to receive the Eucharist, to receive the body and blood of our Lord. So again, do we really want to just go back to normal, or do we want to maybe use this experience, as hard as it's been, to find newness of life for each one of us? I watched, as well as many, many other people did, the Chrism Mass. How difficult is it for you to celebrate with no one there? Yeah, it was, uh, gosh, can I use the word surreal? There were just a handful of people there, the the deans or the, the priests that represent the different geographic uh, regions of our diocese were present, just a few servers that we needed to to help with the Mass. But the thought of celebrating that Mass, which is usually a just a huge celebration here packed. in our diocese, the, the cathedral's packed, have a full choir, just, uh, you know, the priests, usually 150 or more priests are there. And we just didn't have that this year. So it was just very, very different. And I was able to, to celebrate the Mass as, as normally, I guess, as possible. But it was very, very different this year for me as a bishop. It's one of the the liturgies, the celebrations that I most look forward to each year because you are gathered with our people. As bishop, I'm gathered with the people and with our priests to celebrate our faith, to bless the holy oils, to renew our priestly commitment and promises. You know, while we still did those things, it just was different because the people weren't there. Did it touch you emotionally at all? A little bit, you know, again, because of the magnitude of the celebration that it usually is to walk into an empty cathedral, it did kind of hit me a bit. Have you heard from your other priests? I know there were nine that were there, plus a couple of the servers. Uh, have, the, have you heard anything different than what you shared? 
No, I, I basically, after the mass was over with, I was able to go back and watch a few little segments of it uh, that were recorded, you know, from the live stream. And I also went, I looked at some of the comments that some of the people had left that had seen it, or as they were watching it, that they commented. They were just very, very grateful, very thankful for the opportunity to be able to participate, at least by live stream or, you know, through our website. And so there was a lot of gratitude there that I experienced and and received. Well, one of the things that our communications office is doing is they've worked out with Fox 13, WTVT here in Tampa, to broadcast the Sunday Mass at 10 a.m. on Easter Sunday. That's a that's a great win for the diocese and for the people of God. Sure is. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a challenge for me, John, on a very practical level because it's only a 30-minute time slot. So, as you know, usually our, our, our masses and certainly on Easter Sunday would be about an hour. So I'm already trying to, to think about how we can make all that happen in 30 minutes. Probably going to be a short homily, I'll guarantee you that, sure. which which people might like. <laughs> sure. So will there be a director to give you time cues to let you know that, hey, we're running a little short? We're still working out some of those details, okay. but uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. Maybe we have a little bit of a clock there, sure. so I am aware of how much time we have. And I just want to make sure that we're able to celebrate the Mass reverently, but also to, to obviously celebrate Easter in a joyful way and to be able to publicly spread that, that message. So I'm grateful to, to channel 13 for their willingness to broadcast that and of course it'll be all over our live stream from the diocese and well as one of the great things that has come from this is the priests have been forced or their staff to take over some of the technological things and they've been able to bring the mass to their flocks in their individual areas yeah, we've all had to get creative, and for those that are, you know, technologically a little bit challenged, they've had to have some crash courses in how to live stream, how to do Facebook. Even some of them are, are doing just videos for the first time, you know, messages to their flock, to their parish, to to keep them updated. So those are all good things. You know, again, I, I always try to look for the positive and look for the good, and I'm hoping that some of those advances and things that we've learned during this time in terms of using technology can be used for evangelization once we do return back to church. One of the things that you and I are both uh, seeing the impacts of, and I know our pastors are, uh, the fact that people aren't able to support financially, for the most part, their parishes, collections are down, it impacts services, it impacts jobs, but there are ways to contribute online. Can you speak to the people and maybe encourage them to continue their support even though they're not present physically in the building? Sure. And and I guess I first of all would say that I recognize that that many of our parishioners and many families are struggling themselves. Either they've had to take pay cuts or even have lost jobs. And so their income is reduced. We've had to make sacrifices here at the diocese with our staff. And I know many of our parishes have as well. But we do want to continue the good ministry that we do through our parishes and particularly during this time when there is great need still in the community for charitable outreach and ministry. So we do rely upon the the generosity and the stewardship of our people. So I would ask that if you can, obviously it depends on your own personal situation, uh, but if you can, to, to, to please consider supporting your parish as you do so generously throughout the year. And you can do that uh, now electronically. Just go to your parish website. Most of our parishes are, are signed up to have online giving. 
You could either drop, perhaps drop your offering or envelope by the parish office when it's open during the week, or you could mail it, and, and your parish will receive it that way. But know that as bishop, I'm grateful for your generosity and stewardship, and uh, just ask for your continued support for our parishes and their ministry. Again, some of the positives that have come from these uh, events that have transpired. There's a lot of fear, but I've, I saw a new tradition, I think, that took over it's the palms on the doors yeah. <laughs> for Palm Sunday. That, and that took off like wildfire on the internet. Sure did. I, I picked up on it uh, last week before Palm Sunday, and you know, I saw some pictures starting to appear. And then I asked um, uh, one of our priests uh, if he would do it on his rectory door, and he did and took a picture of it. So I was able actually to post on my Facebook and other social media just some pictures of people's doors with their palms there on the front door as a public witness. Uh, even though that day, Palm Sunday, they weren't able to go to Mass and receive the palms in the usual way that, you know, we're blessed here in Florida have palm trees in, in our yard. So sure. all you had to do was go out and cut a branch and, and put it on the front door of the mailbox as a public witness to the, to the celebration of that day and the beginning of Holy Week. I thought it was beautiful. Maybe maybe it's a tradition that'll continue. Yeah, it would be great if the, you know you could put that out you know, sometime at the beginning of Lent or midway through Lent just to let people know that you're a Christian and that you know the big day is coming. We do that with Christmas wreaths. We sure do. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, looking at people's doors, they have all kinds of things hanging on their doors, sure. you know, during the year, wreaths and different things. So um, certainly this is a way to give witness to our faith. The other thing that's been beautiful to see is uh, some folks have sent us pictures of like their family actually watching the live stream of the Mass, like on a Sunday morning. Some of them will have little altars set up with some holy, some statues or holy cards and crucifix, and you'll see the TV on there with the children watching the Mass and participating that way. So again, these are ways we can stay connected with each other and help to support each other during this uh, challenging time. Going back to that comment in the Chrism Mass, one of the most moving things I saw was a photograph that one of our seminarians took of the priest down at the seminary standing with you and renewing their their promises. Sure. That, that's, as I mentioned, one of the elements or one of the things we do at the Chrism Mass is invite our priests to, to renew the promises that they made on their ordination day. And this year, because of the unusual circumstances, I invited even those who were at home to stand and, and to renew their promises in solidarity with their brother priests and with myself as their bishop. And I saw pictures from different parishes of priests do, actually doing that. Sure. So that was, again, very moving, very yeah. beautiful to see. Another thing that I've seen are people sharing food. They're leaving food for those that might need a little bit on the doorsteps, just as a a little bit of an outreach and a a neighborly thing, which they, they may have lived next door to these people or down the street for years, but now they're reaching out because of the situations that we're in. So difficult times, uh, challenging times bring out the best in us, I think, for the most part. And one of those is in terms of charity and just care and concern for each other, checking on each other. I know some of our parishes are actually using this time to call their parishioners uh, and to check in on them, see how they're doing, how are you feeling, uh, do you need anything. It's not something we usually do. Maybe we right. should, but sure. it's not. But just because of this time, we're able to to give them a call and to check on them and see if there's anything they need. Kind of goes back to that new normal you referred to at the beginning of our our program. What do you say to a family who is struggling, who has said, "Listen, I have been a faithful person my whole life, and now I'm, I, I may lose my retirement. 
I've lost my job. I can't afford school. What do you What do you say to them to give them hope? Well, first of all, I think you assure them that the situation that they're in is not their fault, uh, that they're kind of a victim of the circumstances of this pandemic, which is affecting so many people. But I would also say that they're not alone and to remember that and that there are places that they can go for help and certainly the catholic church is one of those places i would check with their local parish first of all if they need some assistance again catholic charities uh, might be an option or a way that we we could help them out and to remember that we that our faith is a faith of hope and that with Jesus Christ, that we always have hope. Yeah, we go through difficult days, but again, just as we celebrated Easter, you know, Good Friday led to the resurrection. So there is hope beyond the suffering. You've seen it, and I've seen it. Every night on the evening news, those medical workers that are going into very difficult and dangerous situation, and sometimes without all the gear that they may need. In our church history, we've often seen saints come out of difficult times in our in our history do you think we'll we'll actually see a saint emerge after a few years we start hearing the stories that someone may have given their life for someone else sure and that that's a good point Uh, not just here in the u.s but i have seen over in italy particularly there's been a a large number of priests that have actually died because of the coronavirus. The reason that they contracted it is because they were actively trying to minister to their people in a very unselfish, a very selfless way. So I think we're going to see these stories of heroic virtue, uh, heroic charity. Uh, These are going to come forth, and who knows, it could produce produce some modern-day saints uh, because of, of what they did. Yeah, I do recall there was a priest that gave up a ventilator over in Italy, I believe it was, one of the early early victims that we heard about. Sure, that that's an example of, of somebody who, in a very unselfish way, took what he needed and gave it to somebody else. And, you know, our healthcare workers, boy, they're, they're the heroes, aren't they, today? I mean, it's very, very difficult and challenging work under normal circumstances. But when you're trying to serve those and to take care of those who are ill, suffering with this virus, at, at your own risk, at your own peril. They're heroes among us today, uh, kind of like our, our first responders and our firefighters sure. were who on 9-11 you know, right. went into those towers trying to save people you know, at, at complete risk to their own lives. That's heroic uh, virtue, John, heroic. There's a group of people that were hoping to come into the church, to be baptized, to, to um, receive those sacraments on Easter. It's not going to happen, at least right now. What's the plan for that group of of people, the catechumens and the candidates and so forth? Let me say, first of all, to to any of our elect who are looking forward to coming into the church at the Easter Vigil this year, because of the circumstances, I did give permission for that to be postponed, which I, I think is what all of our parishes are doing, because those sacraments are sacraments of joy. And they're supposed to be celebrated ideally in community, in a community of faith in the parish in which you've been formed. And it just didn't seem right to do them in private, you know, or just with a small group there. So uh, the idea is that once we're able to publicly gather as a communities of faith, that those can be rescheduled for a later date. You know, I'm thinking perhaps maybe Pentecost, you know, might be a, a great feast to celebrate those sacraments of initiation, but it'll really be up to the local pastor and parish to determine when they want to do that. Yeah, and I guess the local municipalities, because we've seen within the last couple of weeks 
some of the laws and regulations, and there's been some question. Some non-Catholic churches are still meeting that's causing some controversy. Were you ever tempted to say, hey, let's open up just for Easter? John, I would love to do that and would love to have done that. But I also recognize that just because perhaps you can do something, maybe have the right to do it, that it's not the right thing to do. It's not the prudent thing to do. And above all, I, as bishop, I'm concerned about the safety and the well-being of our community and, and, and the faithful that I, that I serve. And I would never want to put them in a situation in which they could perhaps become sick because they're around others who, who maybe don't even have any symptoms but yet are carrying the virus and could infect them. That, that's the challenge is there's so many unknowns with this. What we do know is that the, the best way to defeat this virus is to practice distancing, you know, and, and that's what we're trying to do. But again, I, I just would say to our listeners that the decision I had to make to suspend masses or postpone the public celebration of masses was without doubt the hardest decision I've ever had to make as a bishop. What do you think the church will learn from this chapter in history about where we've come from, and maybe what we would do in the future if this should happen again. Well, hopefully, of course, will never happen again. That's our hope and our, our prayer. I think we'd be better prepared next time uh, in terms of maybe the ability to reach and to stay connected with our people. Again, we've kind of had to learn on the fly, so to speak, uh, with, with how to do this live streaming and uh, Zoom and all these other ways of, of trying to minister to people and keep people connected with their faith and with their church during this time. And also to realize that, that we should never be isolated. You know that we always have to be aware that there are people that are alone in our world, but that doesn't mean they have to be isolated. We can still keep in contact with them in different ways, and that's something that we should be striving to do as a church. What about society? What do you think? I mean, you know, we saw when 9-11 happened, you can't go to the airport gate anymore. You are always kind of watching out something suspicious. You have to say something. What do you think? I think time will tell how long it's going to take to get back to kind of a normal way of life or the way that we were used to things. Remember after 9-11, it took a while for people to have the confidence and the courage to get back on an airplane. It didn't happen right away. And, and I think it's going to be the same with large public gatherings. I, I believe that it's going to take a while for us to kind of get back to being comfortable with that close proximity to others and to gathering uh, together in large groups. What do you think about uh, the distribution of the sacraments? I mean, that's been a big question that has come up with receiving the chalice and so forth. Will the church, you think the church might come down with something? Gosh, I, I hope, John, that, that we can uh, continue to offer the sacraments to our people as they're used to receiving them. And that would include offering them both the body and the blood of Christ, something that we want to continue to do. Of course, it would always be up to the individual person whether they chose to receive under both species or under both forms. But I think as a church, that's something that I, I really would like to do. You know, as my friends and I uh, talk a bit, you know, like going into football stadiums and having people take your th- uh, a thermometer, a thermal scan to make sure that you're not running a fever. I hope, for goodness sake, that if people are sick, they'll stay home and not go to church because I don't want to have the usher taking my temperature as I walk into the into the church. <laughs> I it's hope, crazy to say, but no, I, mean, I, I hope that doesn't become a new ministry, <laughs> John. Ministry to the in, in our in our church, you know. Um, 
I, I went into a medical office building the other day for an appointment. And as soon as I walked in the door, there was somebody there before I could even go up the elevator to, to see my doctor. Uh, somebody was checking my temperature. I had it checked, uh, gosh, now probably six weeks ago when I returned back from, from Italy, from Rome. And in the airport, they were checking temperatures at that time. So that is something that's very common today. But I hope it's not something we have to do as I a church. And, and I don't think so as long as everyone is responsible and doesn't put themselves or others at risk. Well, as we conclude our program today, would you lead us in a prayer for those that are sick, those that are suffering, those that have maybe lost a job, that they will find grace and comfort in the risen Lord as we celebrate this Easter season? Of course. Let us pray. God, our Father, as we celebrate the joy of Easter, your Son's resurrection from the dead, we do recognize that there are those among us who are suffering, who are suffering from fear, anxiety, from illness, from loss, from loneliness. We ask your blessing upon them. Send your Spirit upon them to fill them with your peace and with your love. May they always know because of the resurrection that there is hope and that there is joy to be found in your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.